This is Jesus who healed the brokenhearted. And I'm kicking off the series, and we're going to be focusing on the brokenhearted. He heals the brokenhearted. What does that actually mean? We all go through periods of time where our hearts are broken. And I still remember in my 20s when I was in, 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 in university, during the summer holidays or the school holidays, I would go you know, volunteer myself at uh, what they call a Native American in this place called Yakima, Washington, in a vacation Bible school. And there we would work with the Native Americans. And I still remember this pastor. His name was Tom Black Eagle. Wow, what a cool name, right? Tom Black Eagle. And, I, and you know, at that, that stage of my life in my 20s, I was just curious and just wondering, you know, what's it like to, to serve God? What's it like to honor God? And he said this to me, to, 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 be, a, like, to be a minister of God, you've got to love God. And, yeah, yeah, I think I love God. You've got to love people. Yeah, I, I love people sometimes. Yeah, I know, I love people. You've got to love the Word. Yeah, I love the Word. And he said, get ready for your heart to be broken many times. Uh, I wasn't quite ready for that. Why? Because you realize when sin entered into the world from the time of Adam, brokenness came in. We live in a broken world, broken relationships. We live in a place where, you know, death and destruction, wars take place. Why? Because of sin. From the beginning of time. But Jesus came. And from the scripture in Isaiah 61 that we just read, He came to set the captives free. He came to heal the brokenhearted. Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would be the one. 700 years before Jesus was born, that there would be one who would come to heal the brokenhearted. He would point to Jesus. And Jesus in Luke chapter 4 would declare a condensed version of that over himself. This Jesus whom we serve heals the brokenhearted. In the book, in Lazarus, in the book of John, uh, there's a story of Lazarus and Jesus. And we're going to get the context from, from here, understanding about Jesus and how he deals the brokenhearted. Let me just give you the background. Jesus is here preaching in this little town when he receives word from Bethany, from people whom he loved, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, siblings, that Lazarus was sick, probably very sick. And Jesus gets word, uh, gets that, that news that his good friend is sick. But rather than immediately leaving and responding, quickly going to the town of Bethany, Jesus carries on preaching and ministering in the town. And then two days later, he tells his disciples, okay, I think it's time to go to Judea, where Bethany is at. Two days later, and by the time he gets there, another two days, he discovers that Lazarus is already dead. And then we pick off from there. We're going to read the scripture together. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So you tell the person beside you, four days. Okay, tell, tell the person beside you, four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them at the loss of their brother. When Martha heard this, Jesus, that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, oh, okay, <laughs> change up from my slides there. But now, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will be will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. You hear this verse repeated in church quite often, right? The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said. 
and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? And Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Whenever I read this scripture in my mind, I think I watched too much Chinese, dra- Chinese movies. Lazarus comes out like that, bouncing out, you know, just wrapped in the cloth. But Lazarus comes out alive. What can we learn from this? So we understand the truth. What can we understand about Jesus Christ? Let's just pray together. Father, I ask for just wisdom and revelation that we may know your word, we may know you, we may understand the depth of your love for all of us. Remove anything that will hinder us from hearing the truth. We bind anything, any wall, any blockages, any hindrances from us understanding, Lord, how much you care for us, how much you want to speak to us remove anything, any obstacle. And Lord, even as we hear the word, use me this, this afternoon, Lord, to speak life, to speak love, to speak healing in Jesus' name. Amen. If only, if only, if only, this re- when you read scripture, you always see what the words that are repeated. Why? Because that's where the author is trying to emphasize certain things for us. If only, if only you had been here, Martha said. If only you had been here, Mary said. Said the same thing. If only Jesus, if only you were here, this wouldn't have happened to my brother. Ever prayed that prayer? Ever said that to the Lord? Lord, if only you were here. Lord, if only, if only you cared for me. If only you came to rescue earlier. I wouldn't have to go through this. I'm going through this pain, this grief, this disappointment, Lord. If only you were here. Where are you, God? Where are you? If only. What does it mean to be brokenhearted? The, 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 three def- the, the definition of that, to be brokenhearted means to grieve. They have to lose someone precious. Not just people. Sometimes we grieve because of a loss of circumstances, loss of certain things, loss of familiarity, loss of our jobs, loss of a relationship, a breakup between your boyfriend and girlfriend, divorce, loss of relationship in all kinds of form, loss of finances. We all go through that. 
and full of disappointments. That's what brokenheartedness means. And today God is telling us that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. If only. Perhaps you came today and you realize a lot of the disappointments you are facing, you are being broken, not because of someone else, but because of mistakes that we made. We were foolish in some decisions, and now we are reaping the consequences. And we're feeling just discouraged, disappointed, broken. But truth is, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted, whichever situation you're in. He came to heal. Maybe you came with lots of, oh, yeah, I should have, I should have, where I would have. If only I had more money, if only I had this, I would have taken better care of my relationship. If only I spent more time. If only I talked a little more. If only I talked to my children a little more. If only I talked to my spouse a little more. If only I talked to my parents a little more. If only I was more faithful in my job. All kinds of situations. If only. Good news is, Jesus came to heal our broken hearts. All of us go through brokenness. All of us go through grief. All of us go through pain. And there are many ways you can respond. Sometimes, what we call repression. We repress those emotions. That means, unconsciously, you have really sort of not, don't know how to deal with it when you, probably when you were young, and it's just a, a repressed inside. It's just somewhere in the subconscious. And we are acting it out, not realizing that somehow along the way in our lives, there was something, some emotions that were never dealt with, unhealthy. See, for me, my, my parents divorced when I was pretty young, when I was about four or five years old. And at that age, I couldn't quite comprehend what was going on. A lot of screaming, yelling, then living with my grandmother, not being able to process. And seeing all the divorce that was taking place around me, the repressed emotions. And by the time I was of age where I started dating, I could not commit in any relationship. I just couldn't. It's like anything that went further when the person wanted to talk about marriage, uh, I'm out of here. No, 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 no. Cannot, cannot. Not for me, not for me, not for me. Why? Because of emotions, of feelings that I've gone through. Just repress. Just in the background. Fear of divorce. And that, even though I was a Christian, it was there. And then I had to go through something like what we have as RTF, restoring the foundations. Yeah, if you don't know what that is, please talk to your cell group. Please talk to the church about it where we just had to go through how come I had certain things in my life. And then as we walk through, and God began to give revelation about my whole fear of marriage because of what had happened when I was young. Repress. Repress emotions. Then there's also what we call suppression, where I, where I consciously ignore it. Don't think about it, ignore it. Just keep quiet, hide it, keep it. Mm. Uh, that was me also growing up. In my household, living with my grandmother, her way of handling any difficulty was, or when she's upset with anything, silent treatment. Just keep quiet. Nothing good to say, don't say. That was how I was taught. So, what I began to do when I got into my relationship was I began to suppress, suppress, suppress. When my wife asked me, what's wrong? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Everything's just fine because Jesus loves me. God is good all the time. Fantastic. I love Jesus. I began to suppress, suppress, suppress. When I was upset with something, when she said something that I was upset with, suppress. Just smile, just smile. Jesus loves me. I've got a smile on my face because of Jesus. Suppress. And then one day, when we were driving, it exploded. And rather than just becoming hysterical, I became historical. You know, two years ago, when you said this at this place in church, you know, did this, and I started listing all her offenses. Well, I listed, 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 like history. Like. 
of everything that had gone on. Why is suppression? And then she said, then she just looking at me and, how come are you going through all these things? The time I ask you anything, you say nothing. If you are the kind of person who tends to suppress, it is not a healthy way of an outlet. It's not a healthy outlet at all. When you're going through that brokenness and that pain, you need to have, be able to express it out. But how do you express out in a way that doesn't destroy relationships that we have? At the end of the day, if we don't let it out healthily, we're going to act it out unhealthily for all of us. So church, if you're going through a period of brokenness, of pain, of disappointments, how are we expressing our pain? What are we doing about it? Or are we doing anything about it? Or are we just keeping it inside? What is Jesus saying to us? What is God saying to us this afternoon? I like this uh, little quote here. You can't get over it. When you're going through crap, when you're going through a really difficult period of your life, you ever pray that prayer, Lord, take it away from me. Take that difficult boss. Take away that difficult situation. I don't want to feel this. I don't want... And God doesn't take away. It's like mud. We're going through mud. And just like the, the mom over there would say, we can't get over it. We can't go under it. We just have to go through it. And God wants us to navigate our brokenness. But how do we do that? Isn't just praying enough? Yes, yes, praying is important. But sometimes God's way of doing is so different. And we're going to go look at uh, four ways from the scripture that we see God healing us in the brokenness. The first one is His love. Okay, tell the person beside you, His love. Say to yourself, His love. Knowing that he loves us. Because when we're going through brokenness, when we're going through disappointing times of pain, that is the thing that we will question quite a fair bit. And especially if you're a new Christian, or even in the faith for a long time, when you're going through suffering, we question God. God, do you love me? Don't you love me? If you love me, how come this is happening to me? How come I lost someone? I'm sure during the past two years of COVID, many of us would, would have lost someone close to us. Could be a family member. Could be a close friend. And maybe we ask that God, how come, how come, how come? Don't you love them? Don't you love me? And we question God. But God loves us. And you look at this, the, the word. He's repeatedly, repeatedly telling us the same thing. The one you love is sick. Does Jesus love Martha? He loves his sister. He loves her sister. He loves Lazarus. He loves us. See how he loved him. Repeated over and over again. Why? Because God loves us. Jesus loves you and Jesus loves me. His love is unconditional. Regardless of the situation, his love doesn't change. But for many of us, we grew up maybe in the Asian culture where love is very seen as conditional. Maybe your parents, since most of you are here, uh, adults, your parents, high chance when we grow up, Asian parents always pick you up from the dustbin. Isn't it? Yeah, or you heard a grandma telling the child or the parent telling the child, nobody loves a naughty boy. Nobody loves a naughty girl. And so we grew up, we program in our mind. It's a very conditional love. Only when I'm good, I'm love. Not realizing that we carry that into our relationship with God. God, I sin. You don't love me. God, this happened. I must have done something wrong. You don't love me. But God's love always is unconditional. 
And parents, if you are here, if you have children, your children need to hear that from us, that I love you regardless, that unconditional love. Yeah, regardless of their grades, that I love you. And that's how Jesus thinks of us. He feels for us. He loves us. You know, the, the, we memorize the scripture together, can John chapter 11, verse 35. Not very hard, can One, two, three, yeah? We're going to memorize Jesus' web together. One, two, three. Wow, steady. You're fantastic. You memorize scripture already. <laughs> awesome. John 11, 35, one more time. Jesus wept. Why would Jesus weep? Why? Because he loves the people. Jesus weeps because he loves. In fact, the Bible tells us also in Luke, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, just before the time he would be, he'd be, be uh, crucified, he wept for the city. Why? Because he knew what was going to happen when they rejected God. And today, do you know Jesus feels for us? If he doesn't care, he won't cry. Likewise, why do we weep? Because we love someone. We love something. And that's how Jesus feels about us. He knows how we feel. And he feels, he, he feels what we feel. He understands. Church, He loves us. He loves us. And that must be the foundation of how we're going to navigate our brokenness. Because if that is shaky, if that begins to be questioned, it's okay to question at times, like, God, how come, how come, how come? But a mark of your maturity in the, in the Lord, that regardless of what we're going through, God, I know your love never fails. Your love never changes. It's always the same. So we're going to do this, right? Um, we're going to sing a song. I know you cannot sing from where you are. I just silently sing. But I'm going to lead us in a song that most of you would know because you all are older in the faith. Uh, slightly older than me, I think most of you. Yeah, yeah but we're going to sing a song um, called Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. You know the song? You know the words, right? We're going to try, yeah? Are we good? Jesus loves me This I know for the Bible tells me so, little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Sing with me, silently, yeah, silently. Jesus loves me, this I know. The Bible tells me so, little ones, to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. I just want us to declare that over our lives, that He really loves us. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yeah. 
That's the Jesus we have. If anything, I pray that we will be remembered, we remember that His love for us. The Bible tells us so. One of the most powerful songs we learn when we, when you, if you've been a Christian since you're young, that Jesus really loves me. Not just head knowledge, but I experienced that relationship. But God loves the world so much that He gave His Son, Jesus Christ. And today, if you came to this place and you don't know Jesus Christ, or you're watching online and you don't know Jesus Christ, Hear me out that Jesus loves you and wants to have that relationship with you. Second principle. Second, first one, His love. Second one is His time. The timings of God are so different from ours and we see from there. Why did Jesus wait two days before He responded? God, if you love me, you would have answered immediately, wouldn't it? Yeah, He took two days. By the time He walked there, maybe another two days. Lazarus already dead for four days. Why? why? Why did he do that? And then after two days, when he says, okay, we're going to go back to Judea, and his disciples are saying, why, why go back to Judea? Just not too long ago, the people wanted to kill you. Now you want to go back there? But Jesus tells them, yes, we're going to go back. There are two more than 12 hours in a day. We're going to go back. Second, how do we navigate times of brokenness, knowing that he loves us? Second thing, know that the timings of God are very different from ours. And when we learn to trust that God, your timing is perfect, that you're never too early, you're never too late. You are always perfect. We've got trust in God's timing, even in persecution, even when it doesn't make sense, and even when we can't see. God's timing is different. I like the, the man who, who came to God and said, God, God, if, if uh, one minute is like a thousand years before you and one dollar is like a million dollars, can I please have a million dollars? And to which God replied, sure, in a minute. <laughs> it's different. God's timing is different. He operates on a different level. And for us, how do you navigate? It's allowing the timing of God, trusting in God. That's where faith comes in. When we read the Bible, Sometimes we just see, because it's like the next verse, Jesus came. But when you look re realistically, it wasn't just like next minute. It sometimes takes two days, four days, a week. He comes on His own timing, His perfect timing. And when we're going through this period of pain, of suffering, of, of disappointments, of loss, and we've been praying to God, God's saying to us, I love you. And Jesus tells us, my timing is perfect. I'm never too late, uh, too late. I'm never too early. My timing is always perfect. In the, in the, in the story when Jesus at a, at a wedding and uh, the people celebrating suddenly ran out of wine. And so they asked the servants, the Mary, um, Jesus' mother Mary said to, to, the, to the people, just obey, what, just listen to what Jesus tells you to do. <laughs> and so Jesus like, why are you disturbing now? Okay, okay. Uh, go and fill the, the jars that you have with water. And so the guys, the servants just goes, fill it with water and brings it. He said, okay, now scoop out the water, scoop it out, and then bring it to the, to the head, head steward. And I'm sure the servants and all must be wondering, yeah, well, 
Jesus, you know, I, I know. I, like, what, what do you want me to do? Take the water out? But somewhere along the way, the water t- turned to wine. Choice wine. When did that occur? When did the water turn into wine? We don't know. But along the way, God's timing was perfect. He changed, changed the water in His timing. We don't know when, whether, when they poured it in, when they scooped it, we don't know. But God's timing is perfect for us. And that leads us to the third point, which is His way. His way is different, just like His timing is different. And if you want healing from the brokenness, you need to learn to come to God and approach this His way, not our way, not just keeping it inside. Isn't it strange that Jesus tells, Lazarus already in the tomb. Now He tells them, they remove the, remove the stone. Jesus, I know, I know you, 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 are, you are Jesus, you are Messiah, but my brother dead long time already. If you wanted to heal him, you should have healed him when he was sick, not when he's dead, not when he's buried. Yet, the Bible tells us they obeyed and they moved the stone and Lazarus was called, called up. See, we want healing, we want the restoration, we want that healing for our brokenness. First of all, we need to know that he loves us. And the second one, you know that his timing is perfect. And most of all, you need to begin to learn to do things his way. Acting on what he's telling us to do. They acted on his word. And for us as Christians, as believers, learn to act on God's word rather than our circumstance. Because if you look at your bank book, if you're going through financial difficulty, looking at your bank book is not going to change anything. But looking to God, and perhaps it's not just theory, remember that. God's ways may mean you need to humble yourself, go and speak to someone, a professional in the area who can help you if you come credit uh, counselling. If there's an addiction issue, go get help. Don't just pray, pray, God, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me. And God says, go. Support one another. Build each other up. Encourage one another. Look at the one another's in the Bible. It's about the community of believers. I know when we're going through brokenness, sometimes we feel like we really are alone. But do you know the Bible tells us to mourn with those who mourn? To rejoice with those who rejoice. I like the saying, you know, when you share your joy, um, it's double. When you, and when, you, when you share your joy, it's double. When you share your sorrow, it's halved. Because we carry each other's burdens. So what's God saying to us? Yes, you come to God, you pray. And perhaps we need to humble ourselves and get help from the cell leader, talk to someone, talk to the pastor, cannot talk to anyone, talk to me. Get help. Support each other. And that's where healing comes in the community. God didn't create us to be on our own, even though we are going through a period of difficulty. And for us here, maybe church is not you. You're sitting here and like, that's not me, I'm not going through brokenness. Perhaps the person beside you is going through a really difficult period of their life. And our role is not just to, oh, oh okay, good, but to support them. Someone in the cell, maybe they're going through a period of grief, of loss. Support them. Love them. Encourage them. Pray for one another. That's what we are about. That's what the church is about. Not just you come here two hours and then you go home and that's it. But it's the community of believers that we need. And doing counselling, and because I'm a counsellor, doing counselling for so long, one of the most powerful things we can do when someone's going through grief is just being there for them. Just loving them. Just, okay, you look at the person beside you, give them 
look with their eyeball to eyeball and just tell them, I'm here for you. Okay, some of you don't dare to say, right? That's what we are here for. I'm here for you. Just listening, just being there. You may say, I'm not a trained professional. I don't know how to help someone who's grieving. I don't know how to help someone who's going through a breakup. Perhaps just being there, loving them regardless. Just acknowledging what they're going through. It's a powerful thing. My, my, I spent many years uh, living overseas and my roommate, my housemate was, was a Japanese guy, Kimihiro Itaga. And I learned so much from him and, and just loving the Japanese culture. And he said this to me once, you know, the Japanese, they have something called aizuchi, which is to acknowledge one another. If you look, if you watch Japan Hour, you go to Japan, how do the Japanese communicate? It's, it's often like this. Huh? Oh, it's Why? Because it is to acknowledge your words. It's acknowledge what you're going through as valuable. So if someone around you, a cellular member, a church friend, your family member comes and starts telling you something is going on, is going through a difficult time, what do you do? Just acknowledge, loving them, hearing them out. And just being there for them, powerful. And that's how God uses, how does God heal the brokenhearted? He touches us through the community. If you're not plugged into any cell group, uh, if you're just visiting, please get yourself plugged into one. If not this church, some other church, or some community who can pray alongside with you, who can encourage you. (laughs) I'm quite sure most of you who have a chat where cell group members of people, Recently, or in the past few months, you always be saying, okay, COVID, 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 please pray, COVID, please pray, right? They all <laughs> seem to be like the, the norm thing, like everyone's going through that. We still need to pray and encourage and support. Helping one another, pray for one another. And ultimately, His love, His timing, His way, and our lives really is for His glory. It's not about me. God created me, not for me. God created us for His glory. And when we're going through difficult times, what is God's goal? God's goal for you and me is not to be happy. I want to be happy. Be happy and you know, just clap your hands. God's goal for you and me is to become more like Christ. That's what Romans tells us. That we become more and more in the image of Christ, transforming to be more like Him. But it's about God's glory. Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Everything that we go through, we need to come to the point where we say, God, how does this reveal your glory? How does this brokenness reveal your glory? Perhaps God is showing us something in our character that needs to be changed. Perhaps an area in our life, and our faith, that needs to be changed, that needs to grow, that's a stretching. But we exist for God's glory. You and I, everything that we go through, we need to come to the place. And that's what maturity is like. God, reveal yourself. Show yourself. What is it you're trying to say to me? Reveal your glory in the midst of this. Lord, I don't like this pain I'm going through. I feel this... But Lord, reveal your glory. Show me what you want me to learn from this because it is about you.
one of my favorite scriptures, 2 Corinthians 4.16. Therefore, we don't lose heart. Okay, the, 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 the Christians were going through a difficult time of persecution, of pain, of brokenness, of death. And they said, don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged. Though outwardly we are fading. Okay, we keep, we keep fixing our eyes. Keep fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ. Yeah, okay, let's read this scripture together. One, two, go. Therefore, we fix our eyes not on what is seen but what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal lord reveal your glory help me to see the things that are unseen then in the midst of this not my bank book not the person next to me not my boss not my workplace not even my family but to look to you and see what is it you are saying in the midst of all this Change me, shape me, mold me to become more and more like Christ. So at the end of the day, what are the four areas of God is speaking to all of us today? Is it His love, His time, His way, or His glory? How do I respond? How do I respond to God in the midst of all this? Perhaps you're in the first category. You never experienced the love of God. Maybe you're here listening to this or online and you're questioning that, God, do you really love me? Hear me out. Hear the word out that Jesus loves you more than you can ever imagine. He loves me in spite of my mistakes, in spite of my sin, in spite of my ugliness, that Jesus loves me. And maybe you're in the category and you're just figuring out, God, I've been praying for so long. Nothing seems to happen. I've been having this sickness for so long. I've been in this pain for so long. I've been in this strain in my relationship. Oh, I'm just struggling for so long. Lord, what's happening? Will you trust God's, God's timing? God's timing is perfect. And if we can come to God and say, God, <laughs> I don't like it. And I wish it could just disappear when I wake up. Point, it just disappears but I'm going to trust in your timing. That regardless, your timing is always perfect. Maybe you're here, you've always been trying to, the third one speaks to you. You've been trying to do things on your own ways. I don't want to get help. It's embarrassing. Yeah, I don't have a problem. My wife has left me. My children don't want to speak to me. Yeah, I have no problem. You've been trying to do things your own way. Today, will you humble yourself? that we keep humbling ourselves before Him and to say, God, I want to do it your way. Even if you tell me to move the stone, I'll move the stone. If you tell me to make an appointment to see the pastor this week to get help, I will do that. You call me, you want me to call the person who I have a strained relationship and humbly apologize, I will do that. What's God saying to us today? To restore that brokenness. Perhaps you're going through grief with someone you love You've lost someone you love terribly. And you've just been carrying the pain for so long on your own. And God's telling you, will you come to the place or find a community of believers who will walk alongside with you? And that's what we're about. His ways. And ultimately, for the rest of us, 
uh, for the, the fourth point, His glory. Everything we do is for His glory. Why should I love my wife? Why should I care for my children when they are so irritating sometimes? Why, why, why all these things? Because it's for His glory. Yeah, but my wife does that. Will you still love her? Not because of the conditions of her, but because it brings God glory. Why should I gather and come back to church? I watch online good, but I can't what? Why? For His glory. The community of believers gathering, don't forsake it. It is for His glory. Our lives for His glory. Not for you, not for me. We exist for His glory. And so if you're going through that brokenness and that pain, we need to ask that point, that question, God, what is it you're trying to shape and change in me? For His glory. And you discover that God begins to take that brokenness, that pain, that loss, and begins to use it in His time for perfection, for His glory. And you discover that people, for me, you know, growing up from a family of divorce, me doing counselling for, I have this sense, this love, that just overwhelms me more when I meet children or people who come from divorced families. There's something within me. I'm just able to connect, to encourage, to counsel, to love. That's me. God uses the pain of the past, the brokenness, to do what I do now. And maybe for you, it could be something else. Maybe the loss of mobility, loss of health for something. And God uses that for His glory. How? He uses you now as you mature to impact someone else, to influence someone else, to care for someone else for His glory. For His glory. Do I ever, can I ever imagine myself doing counseling for couples, for children who are going through that, that period of life where pain, I could never imagine myself doing that. But I'm doing that. Why? Because when I look, God in His timing begins to shape, orchestrate certain things, mold me, shape me, heal me, restore me to do what I can do now. For all of us, it's for His glory, the brokenness. We all know this story, right? Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty together again. But you know what? Jesus can. Jesus could and can heal Humpty Dumpty again. And may we come to the place where we allow you know, our disappointments be God's appointments for all of us. That's what healing, restoration comes. He heals the broken heart. He heals you and me. And that's God's love for all of us. Amen? His love, His time, His way, and His glory. Let me just end with this. When my, when my son was very young, I think just primary one, entered primary school, there was one day my wife picked him up at the end of the day, and he came to the, to the car with such a terrible attitude. He came in, he slammed the door, he sat behind, and he slammed, and so obviously when someone slammed the door, my wife got upset with him and told him, stop doing that, you know, don't do that. Spoil the car. Okay, la. <laughs> spoil the car. I guess, I guess when you slam too hard, you spoil the car. And then he just gave the attitude and then he kicked the chair. He was sitting right behind my wife and he kicked the chair. Oh, that made my wife angry. <laughs> and she started giving him a lashing. Don't you give me that kind of attitude, boy. You know? And she just goes on and she just sees him being defiant. Angry. 
And then that's when somehow God begins to speak to my wife, change, change the way you're speaking to him now. And then she suddenly pauses, calms down, turns to him, uh, and the, the, by, by the time they reach home, she just holds him. Say, Toby, what's going on? I hate school, I hate, I hate, you know. And she said, you like people, right? I hate people, you know. I was just angry. And then she said, what's really going on? And she just embraced him and held him. And he was just like, oh, I don't want, don't want love. I don't want anybody. And she just, what's really going on, honey? Mom loves you, what's going on? And after a while of that struggle, suddenly he just melts. He calms down. And he starts sharing that someone in his class has been tormenting him, bullying him, just you know, his, his own difficult period, and just saying mean things to him. And he came to the point where he was just broken. And he just held it until he couldn't hold it anymore. He just started crying. And that's when my wife just hugged him and just started processing with him. This is what you need to do. This is what you can do. I don't want. No, you need to do this. This is what God wants you to do. No, no, no. And he struggles. And, and by the time he comes to the place of just that brokenness, of just coming down in the mother's love, he's able to respond. Oh, yeah, yeah he did this, you know. And what, 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 if, what if he pushes you? I'll push him back. No, no, that, no that's not the best way. Well, what can you do? I said, oh, this is how you respond. This is how you speak. And someone says this, this is how you turn the other cheek, you know, just ignore. They started teaching him. But he was not ready to respond to her, her words of advice until the point came where he was able to be, come to the place where he was safe and secure in her love. And if God would say that to us today, Church, I love you. You're here maybe feeling brokenness and you just come with such a wall to protect yourself because it's been so painful that you will not let anyone around you come close to you. Or you've just been suppressing and hiding for so long. Today, will you come to the place where you just say, God, I want to rest in your love. I want to rest in your love. I don't fight anymore. I want your love. And that's when God says, that's when He brings healing to the brokenhearted. Amen?